1: And Zach Bechtold. And today we have a uh, friend of the podcast and reoccurring guest, Chris. Chris. I thought I said Christ. <laughs> I get Christ a lot. Uh, I bet be, you do.
2: We autocorrect on emails.
1: <laughs> People oh, are always it's real be... disappointed when it's just Chris. It, right. <laughs> it's where we are in quarantine this morning. <laughs> we have Chris Wilterdink with us this morning. Uh, Chris, tell us again, you know, a little bit who, uh, who you are, where you're from, what you do, and then we'll dive into this. Yeah, you bet. Uh, It's great to be with you guys again. My name is Chris Wilterdink,
2: and I'm the director of Young People's Ministries. I work at Discipleship Ministries, uh, where we support and challenge the local church in their discipleship making processes. Uh, I've been there for, gosh, somewhere between eight and ten years, depending on when you start counting. And I live in Franklin, Tennessee, where it is springtime. And so when the sun's out, we can escape quarantine and play
1: outside as long as we keep our six-foot distance. Very good. It's uh, still winter-ish here in Montana, so that's fun. Um, but yeah, so so we have Chris on today to talk about a handful of things um, regarding quarantine in the church and youth ministry, and um, there's a lot going on, and it's, it's changing every day, it seems, uh, if not more than that. And um, you know, we were talking beforehand. There's a lot that goes on in the life of the church uh, regarding uh, youth and young adults, and uh, just the way we do things in the spring and this time of year. And we're gonna, uh, we have to rethink a lot of that. So, um, Chris, and in, in what you do, uh, what are you, what are you all looking at preparing folks for uh, in this season of quarantine?
2: Mm. So we are recording this like at the end of March, it is March 27th. So I'm sure by now everybody knows that things seem to shift like by the day or by the week. And so whenever this is posted, hopefully this is still relevant stuff. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, the the challenges are big time, right? I I think that there's a growing appreciation for, uh, you know, teachers and mentors and those who serve young people as parents are now quarantined at home. And um, you know figuring out how to fill their students' days with um, you know whether that's academic lessons or spiritual lessons or those kinds of things, um, so I've had some really interesting conversations with uh, directors of youth ministries or campus ministers or young adult ministers uh, about you know how do you outsource um, and kind of virtually connect people so that they can continue to develop at home um, the The other really, really interesting one right now is um, related to the, the springtime rites of passage um, and how interrupted young people are feeling because of the quarantine. So like in a nutshell, um, you know, springtime, especially in the U.S., uh, has a lot of things that um, feel like the culmination or the end of a journey, right? Like you've got uh, school graduations, you've got plays or uh, musicals or uh, spring sports championships, those kinds of things that you've been working on all year. Um, and normally you get to do those things and then have some closure because the thing happens and then move on into the summer or the fall or whatever happens to come next. And there's been this real interruption to those rites of passage. You know, if, if students are home because school has been canceled, um, all of a sudden they they don't get yearbooks. They don't get yearbooks to sign. Um, if you're an older high schooler, you don't get to go to prom. there's like all these things Um, you may not be able to walk in a graduation ceremony. Uh, If you're at a church uh, and you're involved in confirmation, you may not to you may not get to do a confirmation service and actually join the church at the end of that thing. Um, And even with that dynamic, it's really interesting because young people are experiencing that loss and feeling some sadness because of it. Um, And at the same time, maybe a little bit hesitant to give voice to it because they know um, that there really is some other life and death stuff, right? Like the economic impact of quarantine and um, I won't COV one nine or however we say it, right? Um, uh, there's some real life and death stuff. Like people are getting sick. People are passing away. There's going to be this backlog of funerals uh, because churches won't be able to host those things. And so young people recognize that this is a big deal and at the same time are experiencing this personal loss that feels like a big deal to them but maybe hesitant to give voice to it because they recognize the larger picture. If that makes some sense, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I, I think I don't know. I, I find myself thinking um, a lot about our high school seniors, you know, and just everything that goes into that. Whether it's it's missing their last round of sports or band or choir or classes and graduating and walking. Um, that's a huge deal. Um, That's a significant moment in a young adult's life that is now just kind of gone in the wind and not sure if it's ever going to come back for them. Um, Because how do you, how do you move on and do something, you know, confirmation and things like that, we can push those down, down the road a little bit, um, but not too far uh and so how do we how do we do these things that and continue to make them meaningful for people um and and make their walk whether it's in the church or in life still um deeply meaningful for them in these ways uh when we can't gather i don't know that that was really a question but
0: (laughs) well and and (laughs) and it's just
1: processing what she said (laughs) well and and, and i was thinking about that
0: it's like our month of may here at this church is insane because it's Mm -hmm. like um had it worked like we were initially planned, it was going to be confirmation um, one Sunday and it was going to be, you know, mother's day one Sunday and then, and then um, graduation Sunday that next you know, and so we have those three Sundays that are just like chocked full of stuff. And so like sermon planning, I just plan not to really almost not to preach that we just, you know, that that's really what the services are about. But um, having to rethink, you know, we're not going to be able to do confirmation now. Um, We're not going to be able to do uh, some of the things that we, normally do in this season like our senior dinner um you know is disrupted now um and so you know we haven't even began to think about that sort of stuff yet because it's not a reality um and and as i bring that up you know just kind of that like oh like you know just like you know um trying to hold on like maybe something will happen like well no let's let's be real about this that like you know that even though the school has said they're not going to cancel graduation it doesn't mean that we still can't you know, like that there's not, that's not going to happen like it has in the past. It may happen differently. Um, And to be aware of how can we respond to that and still, you know, do that. What will that look like in the future for us? I mean, that's kind of, I think where everybody's at and just trying to, you know, spitball what ideas are out there.
1: And I think that's maybe the question, right? As, as far as concerning the church and how we do some of these rites of passage, what are, what are some of the resources, what are some of the ways um, that we're encouraging our youth and children's and pastors uh, to continue to engage in confirmation in youth ministry, in children's ministry, uh, to continue on towards these rites of passages?
2: Yeah, um, we've got kind of an evolving library of stuff that we've been posting on youthworkercollective.com. Um, And those uh, articles and kind of suggestions come from a variety of people that are active in youth ministries um, from around the United Methodist Church. And, you know, specifically for some of the rites of passage stuff, we've been trying to get really creative. And I hope that these are a couple of good ideas, but I really hope that they seed better ideas from other people. Um, Because, you know, within a certain context, like depending on the amount of uh, lockdown or uh, isolation you're looking at, Um, It requires a lot of creativity, Um, and I really feel for um, not only senior pastors, but, you know, really any church staff or volunteer who is all of a sudden getting all this extra stuff on their plate and trying to do things in a way that have never been done before um, and feeling the weight of the responsibility of needing to be able to figure out something Um, because something is almost always going to be better than nothing, right? Like, I guess that would be the suggestion that I give off the top. Um, as you think about these things, it, it's okay to whatever follow the footsteps of uh, the great theologian uh, Anna from Frozen Two, and just say, you know what? I'm trying to figure out how to do the next right thing. That's okay. Um, do that next right thing, and then see what it leads to. Um, don't just do nothing. Say, oh my gosh, this is a huge problem, and then leave it. You know, that's that's really not how it's going to work. Um, but anyway, a couple of ideas that we've come up with so far. Um, is trying to figure out something like a graduation parade uh, where maybe if you've got several graduating seniors at your church uh, you could divvy them up among people that are you know not in high-risk age categories and have them drive uh, to that graduates house to deliver you know kind of like the standard gifts or the letters or the traditional things that your church normally gives uh, for graduation uh, to kind of you know keep some of that connection going Um, and uh, live stream it, you know, put it on your church's Instagram or your story or Facebook page or, you know, whatever social media you use, go ahead and live stream some of that stuff um, and have that be okay. Um, if uh, you're like me and have like a large set of digital photographs that you have not organized that are either personal or related to ministry, um, it's not a bad idea to like set that up in some sort of shared file, like on a, uh, 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 Imgur or Google Drive or something like that, and then have a small team of volunteers go through and try to tag um, specific events or faces or locations and put together like a virtual collage for somebody. And then uh, you could either print that and deliver it to their house uh, or you know, send it by you know, do an order on Walgreens or something like that. And have that be a nice surprise as kind of a memory um, of uh, you know, things that seniors have done over the course of time. Um, but then also thinking about, you know, the way that, you know, Matt, I know you specifically mentioned like graduation Sundays um, and confirmation Sundays, and those are two great worship services where young people actually get to talk to the congregation and give some feedback about their faith formation and their experiences in the church, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, issue the invitation for a young person, uh, whether they're a graduating senior or an eighth grader or a college student or whatever, um, send in a one or two minute video clip. Um, of them talking about one of their favorite stories from being connected to the church uh, or how that faith community has helped them grow and become a more mature disciple. Um, uh, And if you are doing like live streaming or, you know, figuring out alternative ways to do worship, uh, thinking creatively about how you can get young voices in those worship experiences. Um, Even with social distancing, most young people are fairly tech savvy and could probably participate in reading liturgy from their house, or uh, l- like I said before, sharing a testimonial, uh, because generally those are very, very powerful parts of either a confirmation or a senior recognition Sunday. Um, if you do have a, a awesome person around your church who puts together any sort of like senior tribute video or anything like that, um, totally okay to still do that and share that virtually uh, on your social media platforms and figure out how you know people can stay connected um and recognize the next steps that those young people are taking um and it, it oh, sorry no
1: no no. go ahead keep going
2: the, the last very last one i was going to say is um it's interesting to think about um, you know kind of the continued social connection uh i know that we're using language related to social distancing right now um but really that means physical distancing right like we need six feet of space between people um And I I would challenge churches to embrace that idea of physical distancing, but recognize that you can still be socially connected, even given a physical distance. To me, social distancing means a lot more isolation and and not doing the kinds of things that we're doing now, like talking to people that you know well uh, online and continuing to build relationships. And churches can still do that with young people. So figuring out ways to remain socially connected within the body of Christ while physical distancing is a reality.
0: Well, and that's why one of the things that we've been preaching here is um, connect to five, connect to five people um, via, um, you know, in in any of the ways that you can digitally, you know, call, you know, whatever, um, however you need to connect to people, but encourage people every day to digitally at least connect or some way connect to five people. Um, And so I've been kind of in my head making sure that I do that. And, you know, I have kind of the um, way of doing that is just, you know, on my phone, you know, here's who I connected with today um, and holding myself accountable to that and then challenging our congregation to do the same thing. We found that very helpful. Um, now it's making sure that other people that wouldn't normally get connected with, and that's the hard thing within youth ministry, um, in a rural area such as mine, um, not everybody has the technology. Um, my youth director has been struggling because not everybody in our youth group has the technology available to be connected. And so, you know, we're trying to figure out ways that we can do that, um, in a safe, way because um, we're in the um, in-home whatever it's called now the in-home one where mm-hmm. we really can't yep. go out like I mean it's a ghost town out in our town today yeah uh, and so um, you know how does that look when you don't have the connecting to digital you know like in a space like this and, and so like that's been something that's been a challenge for us
2: uh, a low-tech um, idea that has come across um, for me is uh, encouraging a congregation to like adopt a youth um, where one person or two people or, you know, how many you have, um, they each get a name from the youth group role. They get their physical address and then they send them letters, uh, or they send them care packages, right? Like you could send them quarantine care packages, um, that have, I don't know, food that'll never go bad, apocalypse Twinkies and whatever, (laughs) um, as well as, you know, care notes and, um, and prayers and, you know, those kinds of things. And, you know, encourage somebody to send a care package once a month, um, if somebody has got the ability to print postage from home, um, and they've got, you know, a dinky little shoebox or something, it'd be fairly easy to send out, uh, you know, a batch of cookies with a prayer and, um, things to keep somebody busy or, uh, remind them that they're connected, um, to this larger church. Um, you could also try to set up prayer partners or pen pals in that way, which could be really, really interesting. Um, and if you are doing the low tech piece where you're trying to ad- kind of adopt these young people, um it's interesting to do the, uh, like the research from the Fuller Youth Institute where um, they kind of do the inverse of safe sanctuaries recommendations. Like if you're doing safe sanctuaries when you're meeting in person, like you're recommended to have one adult for every seven youth. Um, If you can flip-flop that ratio where you've got seven adults um, that each adopt one youth and are sending them something once a month, um, you know that's gonna give that youth one thing per week. And remind them that they've got five, six, seven people from their church that really care and remember that they exist.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's significant. Um, just thinking on, on, on all of those ways, right? I, I think today we're looking, we focus so much on the digital. If we can connect through Zoom, we can connect through our cell phones and things like that. But uh, that tangible send something through the mail, low tech way of just saying, hey, we love you uh if you you know here's here's just a showing of that I, that's significant uh whether they can connect or not you know I, we we do that a lot with college students through our church at the end of every semester right before finals we send you know big boxes of candy and uh you know uh jeez what do they send they send just all kinds of stuff Stop there's rotten. always some grandmother that drops a dollar or two in there you know <laughs> <laughs> and they they love it. You know, it's just something that it reminds them that they're connected to a church they're far away from. Uh, that these folks love them dearly, and are praying for them during finals time. Uh, you know, quarantine's not much different than that. Just kind of buckling down and being in a space. And yeah, that's that's a pretty significant way to send some love.
2: When and flipping it forward, also, you know, it, it's an interesting opportunity if you do have graduating seniors to help them make the connection for what is coming next, right? Because they've missed out on that social closure um, for now, but they've got a really neat opportunity to get ahead of the social connections that will take place at the college or the university that they're going to go to. So if you have friendships or relationships with people in the college where they're going to go, can you connect them with a campus ministry? Can you connect them with a Wesley Foundation? Uh, If not, can you connect them with a United Methodist church where that graduating senior is going to be in the fall and let them get a jump on building some relationships with that community as well. Um, because that o- not only reminds them that they're connected with your church, the, the home church that they'll keep coming back to, uh, but also give them the opportunity to grow and be connected with that cool new group of people that they don't even know exists yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Well, that was one talked- of the hardest things as a campus minister was getting those names and getting those connections started. Uh, and what better time than now out of necessity, yeah. right? Well, and that's um, why
0: I wanted to like kind of transition this. Like now, now, like let's move forward to, to campus ministry. Cause that is one of the things you also connect with in with young people's uh, division is campus ministers. And so what are some suggestions for campus ministers that may be out there that uh, may be listening to this podcast um, uh, that, uh, you know, some things that you're hearing or something that, you know, would be helpful for them because they're having to, I mean, shut down. And um, I mean, they're, you know, almost, And it's a little bit harder because, you know, like in our university, you know, we shut down, close the dorms. And so like those kids disperse. And so, you know, what are some things you're hearing that um, are ways that uh, campus ministers are connecting in and, um, you know, that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. And, um, you know, for them, I know that we've mentioned social closure a couple of times so far, um, but that's been one of the really, really hard dynamics for campus ministries and folks that are involved with Wesley Foundations. because. So many of the universities, when they made the decision, it was like, "Okay, the decision's made on a Thursday. You got to be out of the dorms by Sunday," uh, and so you did not get to have, uh, you know, closing prayers or say goodbye to friends or do any sort of like launching activities or those sorts of things. Um, so generally, what I'm hearing from campus ministers is that the uh, the college students that have been in their care, um, in some ways, are really struggling with um, the social isolation and um, that can tend a little bit towards depression, you know, depending on uh, how things end up factoring into a young person's life. It's, it's a really interesting um, thing to be able to look at uh, because really whether you are an introvert or an extrovert, um, this quarantine thing is hitting you in a really hard and different way. Uh, if you're an extroverted college student and you thrived in campus meetings and social gatherings and being able to, uh, you know, go to parties or game nights or those kinds of things. Um, all of a sudden you can't do that and you're missing out on it. Um, If you're an introvert, you know, this might feel like, oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me because now I can have my own time if I want to. And yet, um, if you're getting all these requests for like Zoom calls or phone calls and that kind of stuff, it can still feel like overwhelming because everybody wants to reach out so bad, especially in the first week or two of things, um, that it can also be really intimidating if you're an introvert. So best ideas from campus ministries that I've heard so far, honestly, um, that stuff is still emerging and evolving because just like the students, anybody that was, you know, living on campus, uh, those campus ministers also are struggling to kind of figure out how do we take care of our space? How do we close down the building? Uh, How do we keep it clean in the midst of everything else? Um, And so for those students that still live somewhere near the campus ministry that they were involved in, uh, you know, figuring out ways to... Uh, Being conversation with the the people or the persons that are taking care uh, of the Wesley Foundation or the campus ministry space, um, and figuring out ways to support the care and closure of that space might be able to provide a little bit of the social closure for the experiences that are there. Um, I have heard uh, several examples of people kind of doing like you know virtual prayer groups or Bible studies or continuing you know what was like the weekly traditions. Um, just without the food. Obviously, everybody's got to like BYOF um, <laughs> because you don't really get the free food for the gathering anymore. Um, something that has been freeing for campus ministries, and this would be for local church ministries as well, is like you don't have to be stuck in the, the regular model of the nights and times that your meetings happen, right? Like if it was Tuesday nights at the Wesley Foundation, but that doesn't work for everybody anymore, um, all of a sudden, you know what? Thursday morning at 10 o'clock, totally okay. If that's the time that works better for everybody, have that conversation in your group and just you know, live into the new times that work. Don't feel like you have to do a Wednesday night because you always did a Wednesday night. Don't feel like you have to do a Sunday morning because you always did a Sunday morning. Uh, figure out the times and the places that, um, virtual places that you can connect and gather and, and find the time that works the best. Um, and really right now that, that's where the best stuff is happening. Um, I wish that I had a few more tangible examples from the campus ministry front, but like I said, it's evolving fast.
0: Well, and it hit, it hit faster. Like it was harder than in the schools because in the schools it's kind of been played out and like most of them were on spring break and it was kind of like, Hey, you know, like, so we'll get an extended spring break. No big deal. But for college students, the hard part is a lot of them, you know, um, live on campus. And so like they were thrusted in this whole other, like it was, I mean, um, was listening to our, um, you know, campus and the way that our campus handled it, um, was probably not the healthiest, but, um, you know, it really cast some doubt and fear on how things were going to be handled. And, you know, and so, um, it, and it was thinking about that in a sense of ministry, um, you know, this allow this is going to allow us to really, uh, rethink some of our programs, um, at, at all levels, not just at the youth or, um, you know, college ministry area, but You know, what are some ways that after this is done, we're able to get back together and, and, um, you know, be physically closely? Like, what are some ways, like, what can we take from this to continue some of the good things that came out of this? Um, But also recognize that, you know, the reality is, is like, we really need to meet physically and that the Mm -hmm. digital space is not the end game. Um, and that's been the conversation we've had at our church with communion is that like, we're not going to do, we're not going to do online communion because we believe in the physical presence of everybody being together and sharing in the meal together, not just in a sense of me, you know, encouraging people, all right, now pour your grape juice, you know, that sort of thing, like, however it's going to be done. And I know people are going to do it and, you know, God bless them, um, for doing that. But like I felt, and my team felt like the way that we feel about communion, it is a communal meal and it's being present and so that first sunday that we get to come back i mean we're gonna you know we may put a table down the middle of the aisle of the sanctuary and just ask everybody to sit down we're gonna have a good old-fashioned meal um i don't know you know like but i i do believe that in this time this is allowing us to rethink some of the things that we're doing and maybe looking at some possibilities of things that could be and and not go back to some of the ways you know some of the even some of the programming we can say you know we learn from this like this you know we can do some different things that aren't necessarily just linear that we've always done Um, Uh,
2: yeah i I think what i'm hearing from you is is something that i've had several conversations about that this is uh the experience itself is going to allow us to really reflect on what is important Mm -hmm. because we will keep giving energy to those things that are important right now um and if we've got the time to reflect on that before we come back together in person um it could really help us to reshape Uh, and invest in those things that, you know, create the most meaning for each individual community. Um, And so those things that are unimportant will tend to fall away a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So in the midst of what we're going through right now, I think you're exactly right, figuring out um, those things that are important, that give us life, that give us energy as a community. Um, And then being able to breathe new life into those when we can add that physical closeness component to it again as well. Um, It's an interesting chance to be able to do like, A little bit of historical stuff, you know, like the idea of a love feast, um, uh, at least in terms of our own tradition and what that might look like in place of uh, communion. Uh, For confirmation, you know, with young people, that's another one where, like, you know, really, I feel like that's got to be an in-person thing. Uh, You can do some of the lessons and have the mentoring relationships and, you know, do the study part of it virtually. Um, But that celebration and that response to baptismal vows, like, that's Mm -hmm. an in-person thing. If somebody was to ask me, can I do a confirmation service virtually, I would say I really would not recommend it at all. Right. <laughs>
0: well, and, and I think that that's like the thing that we need to name is that there are some things that we cannot do through the digital space. And that's okay. Like in adjusting and saying that, so, you know, so like, let's use confirmation as an example, because that's at least controversial, um, <laughs> uh, that <laughs> like, we really want people there to say that these kids are part of our congregation and, and you can't, you know, there are ways that you could do that, but it's not as meaningful. I mean, I, I remember for me and the confirmations that I've done throughout my time, there's nothing been more powerful when the mentors and the congregation come and lay hands on those kids. And, and, you know, when we pray the prayer to we pray those prayers together. And like, I mean, it's just, there's just something so powerful about that that you can't replicate through a screen. Um, and I think that that's like the key is is acknowledging when that is necessary and acknowledging that right now in the digital space, we can't do that. And that's okay that there will be a time when that will happen again. Um, but, and until that time, let's, let's be creative on how we can do some things, but acknowledge that this isn't the end, the end game, like this isn't it, this is going to, you know, that this is going to. Lead us back when we get together to make it even more joyous.
2: And and let's think about the joy of the baptisms that you'll get to do, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't do a virtual baptism either, right? right? Like it just the the theology that we've got would would just not work with that (laughs) that that connection and that space that's there. Now God is in all the places, right? Like God is God is everywhere that we could possibly be, and so I am sitting in the presence right now, just like you are sitting in the presence right now. but that act of baptism and the welcoming into the community and the responding back, it, it's absolutely a physical thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. My, my hope with all of this, the parents, I've talked to a couple parents in that are just busy. Typical parents, got a couple kids. The kids do a lot of things. The parents do a lot of things. Um, and I've had several uh, text me in the last two weeks and go, oh my gosh, I did not realize how busy we were. Uh, in this time just that we have to, that we're forced just to take a breath and to rest and reevaluate what's important, what's not important to have to do these things. It's been really nice. Um, And they've hit almost a giant reset button of here's what we have to do now, and we'll reevaluate the other things later. And my hope for uh, for the church world and for society as a whole, but maybe we'll get it in the church world, uh, is that we do, we, we take this opportunity, like you said, to reevaluate what what ministries are important and life giving to our church and congregation and how do we continue to build on those. And maybe this is an opportunity for those that we're really, we need to let go and, and grieve and let die. This is the opportunity to do that and let those, let those go and then birth into something new um whether it's through digital or physical space or both um how do we begin to take a look at that and and do that and say oh here's here's where we're going now and this has been an opportunity to go "Ah, okay here we go
0: (laughs) well and that's been the conversation that you and i have had
1: um throughout this whole time is that we feel like
0: people are trying to do too much Mm -hmm. and that they have to compensate, they have to have, you know, something every, they have to have a a live stream video every day, it's like, no, like, do you see your people that much, you know, in a normal, when you were able to physically see them, probably not, Um, you know, like, so you don't have to do a Bible study of Romans for the next, you know, you know, 20 weeks, or whatever, like, you know, um, and I've been using the word, this is a marathon, and so we have to pace ourselves, we can't just, like, throw a whole bunch of people at one time because they're trying to process and grieve what this looks like for them. And, 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 and pastors and, and youth pastors, um, you know, Zach and I are both former youth ministers. And so like, we totally understand you and have been there and, um, know that like, yeah, we want to connect to our kids and we want to find ways that we want to do it, but we can't overdo it. And, and, and if you're spending more hours trying to do the digital, then you're doing it wrong. Like you really need to pace yourself and like, um, take care of yourself and your soul. Um, and, and, and if you're not doing that, you're going to find yourself like you normally have been and burned out. And like, I can't believe I, you know, I, Oh, great. Here it comes again. i got to hit, you know, got to hit go live on Romans eight and you look like you look like you've been through the ringer, like you <laughs> know, find ways to take care of yourself. I mean, I mean, that that's the one encouragement I want to encourage people to really listen to. It doesn't matter what ministry field you're in is that you have enough to do what you need to do for your, your space don't worry about what everybody else is doing do what you can do well and and pace yourself and and be open to the possibility of how God can use you even in those small spaces of of distancing and and all those other things that you know even Zach uh, alluded to like really look at your schedule and ask yourself really what's important which is kind of one of the things that we've talked about today analyzing ourselves how are some ways that we within the system that is right now how can we do ministry within that but not we don't have to do everything and like i want to i want like i want to shake every minister from 6 feet saying you don't have to do everything just pace yourself you know and and find ways to do that although on the flip side i've had more people attend my bible studies digitally than they were in person <laughs> so, so it's kind of like oh this might be something we look into after we're done so mm-hmm. well i i
2: know that we're not lutheran but you know you could take each of Martin Luther's ninety-five theses, and do one a week. Boom, you're good for two. <laughs> right, <laughs> you're welcome.
1: No problem. Planned, <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> you could do that,
0: and just say, "Well, here's what the Methodists would really think. Here's what Luther
1: said. <laughs>
0: sure. Here, here's yeah. where Wesley disagreed yeah. with him. We are part of the
2: Protestant family, so it's That's a thing. Right. Um, you know, it, you bring up an interesting point in terms of uh, self-care. So um, this might shift gears a little bit. But as I think about um, one of the other struggles, particularly with youth ministers that we've talked to, um, is their concern and their worry, um, not only about the effectiveness of their ministry, but also like helping make ends meet, right? Like I know that churches are paying a lot of attention to the financial side of things. So because you can't do physical offerings and physical collections, um, you know, how do people continue to give and stay connected and feel like there is that that giving, that spiritual component, um, but also value in return for those things. Um, and, you know, for youth ministers, um, generally they're not the most well-paid positions anyway. Um, not that senior pastors are well-paid either. Um, I think we could have a whole episode just on, you know, better compensation for those that, you know, give themselves to ministry or give themselves to teaching and education and those pieces. Uh, But, you know, generally youth ministers are part-time and they usually have some other gig that they're trying to use to make ends meet. If that's, you know, delivering food or being an Uber or a Lyft or, you know, whatever it is. Um, And so there's a general financial stress on top of that, like programmatic stress as well. Um, And and so I want to give support to you know, those youth ministers that are out there that are trying to figure out how to make ends meet and remind them that they're not alone in those things. Um, That, you know, having a peer group that you can connect with, um, being in conversation with your senior pastors uh, or your staff parish team uh, about, you know, financial issues that you may be personally looking at, it's okay to be able to talk about those things. Um, Generally, we're not that good about talking about money usually, um, but I know that anybody that I'm connected with in my church family, if there's an issue that I can help with, because I still have a position where I am getting paid and I can work from home, um, I'm in a position to be able to give um, and not loan. You know that, That's not a thing. Like I am happy to be able to give and contribute to emergency funds at my local church. Um, and I would hope that any church member or staff person, uh, if they are in danger of economic you know, issues because of not being able to make ends meet anymore because of side gigs and whatever, have that conversation with your church and know it's okay. Um, and, and don't be worried about any stigma that's, att- that's attached to it. I think that's a big part of self-care. Don't feel guilty. Don't, it, there's so much unknown that's happening right now. It's okay to be able to bring up that, say, I don't know, and I don't know how I'm going to make my ends meet, and I need your help to do that. And generally, I think in the church, you're going to find people that will be really creative in helping you figure out how to do that, whether that's with money or you know, delivering groceries or you know any of that kind of stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I'd, I think that's the thing. Is it's an opportunity for us as leaders to be vulnerable uh, in a in a healthy way. Of here's here's my reality too, right? Uh, here's the reality of our community, you know, and here's here's how we can help, or here's how I need help. And and I think I think just being able to say, you know, as pastors as leaders, uh, if if we can be in, if we are in that position of thinking, oh my gosh, how am I going to get this done? Um, say that out loud. Let your congregations know because that may give somebody else permission in your congregation or your community who's in the same place to go, I need help too. Uh, and that that may be more life-saving than anything else we do uh in this time of quarantine and uh, having to stay home and uh you know, watching watching people be laid off and watching people not be able to go get groceries and and just being vulnerable in those moments to go, I'm in the same boat how do we do this together, you know? And yeah, you're right. We have a whole church full of people who are loving and caring and generous that may have an answer that may be able to help. And they're just waiting to be asked or they don't know, you know, who needs help and they're, they're waiting to hear. And so if we can be vulnerable in those moments when, when we need to be, uh, I think that that's huge. Yeah, I, I totally
2: agree. And i, I without having the scripture in front of me, you know, like the, the stories from acts where the, Mm -hmm. you know, first communities of disciples end up popping up. Um, Mm -hmm. There's several lines about how they they just, they share. Mm -hmm. And that's how it works. Right. Like, and that was isolated communities that were underground and, you know, not part of the existing culture that was on top. So life was hard for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they got through by being able to share what it is that they had. And
1: they had more than enough. Yeah. This 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 time this time that we are alive points back very much to the early church in how they had to go about doing things sharing as all have need gathering in small groups you know uh, doing the things that they could do to get by uh, and grow with one another it's fascinating. This may
2: be one last little uh, little pivot or little thought that I've got, um, but I wanted to make sure to be able to share it before our time was up today. Please, um, and it has to do with young people not being in the like, riskiest category, um, for, um, even if they are exposed, um, to COVID-19, um, generally they're going to be okay, right? Like they will feel sick. They're not going to feel well. Um, but they are not in the high risk age categories. Um, so it's also a really interesting opportunity to help young people think about, um, you know, what they can do and what their part of this is. Um, you know, it, it probably is being able to listen and understand just how important the quarantine piece is so that they are not carriers um, of that disease into a place that is a vulnerable population. Um, but if, uh, you know, if, if somebody is young and healthy and has the ability to, uh, you know, be a driver and do like a community grocery run and do shopping for like five or six people, um, that's a really cool way for them to be able to serve and, and figure out a way that they can advocate and be a part of a solution as opposed to um, you know, looking at a problem and not being able to, to help participate in it. So um, I, I would really encourage people to also be in those conversations with young people about helping them understand how they can um, advocate and play a part. Um, and Matt, I, I think it was your thought about um, you know, pastors or youth pastors trying to take on too much and do too many things. Um, and I would encourage people to remember that it 's also part of our job as leaders to equip others to go and do it does not all have to be the pastor, it does not all have to be a staff person. Um, people do have some time and they 're understanding what is important and so giving them the tools and you know maybe a venue to uh, spitball and come up with a bunch of ideas for how they might be able to be advocates for healing and support within their own communities is really um, uh, going to be a pretty amazing opportunity.
1: Absolutely. And, and those are, gosh, I, you're absolutely right. I keep seeing uh, people my age and younger, even a little bit older of, oh, we're just, it's not going to affect us. We're going to go out and keep doing our thing. And it's like, no, no, you may, you, you can still get it and you're not going to feel great, but you're going to give it to other people uh, and you're going to take it in high risk places. And that's the last thing Our communities need living in small rural communities it could easily wipe out my 350 uh, person population easy Mm -hmm. Uh, who are mostly elderly and mostly at risk Uh, I I think about that deeply of no I I have to stay inside I've got to set the example and and do these things too because it's not worth uh, getting getting my people sick getting our communities sick, um, and, and so it's in those, it's that awareness on top of how can I help in a healthy and responsible way, in um, knowing that all of our communities have elderly folk that it's not productive for them to go to the grocery store, uh, but how can you go for them, how can you reach out and be, be that shopper for them, uh, and do it in those ways that are, are healthy and helpful, uh, rather than going to the beach or uh, you know, (laughs) wherever else we're congregating in mass, uh, hoping for the best.
0: Well, and you know, that's kind of where we're at right now is to, um, is to really just, you know, um, be aware of there are ways that you can serve, um, but do it in a safe and healthy manner. Um, and, and, you know, be, you know, like, um, Zach and I talked about using, you know, there's an episode of Scrubs where they show how disease transmission happens very easily um, and being aware of that. And the reason of washing your hands or hand sanitizing is so necessary in this day and age uh, right now Um, and to be aware of that. And, you know, that's the one thing we definitely ask you to do is to wash your hands and take care of yourself. Those are important things, especially in the world that we're in now. Um, Chris, we thank you for your time. And, you know, you're always welcome to come back. You are definitely the uh, most, um, <laughs> seasoned, uh, person, uh, to be on this show. Uh, not meaning that you're oldest person on the show, but, uh, an <laughs> um, and, and you know, for that, like you said, we'll get you, we'll find you an ugly jacket to wear, um, as you know so you can wear it around proudly um i say
2: every every other time that i come on every other right. time I come
0: on, yeah <laughs> um and so you know we thank you um encourage you to go to our website at theologians.com and check out all of our great content and also check out um um discipleship and all the great content that they have um in regards to discipleship for all ages but if you're looking for youth um the com. Um, is a great resource I mean I'm constantly sending my youth director there for things and she's like I've already looked at it and like it makes me feel good that she's already looked at it but um, you know it's always a they they have some really great content up there uh, for all sorts of things going on even now and you know maybe things you can plan for for the future um, so for the
1: bearded theologians I'm Matt Franks I'm Zach Bechtel thanks for checking us out